Hello, friends. That's my attempt at doing the Steffi Cohen intro. She's not here to do this introduction, so it's going to be just me doing it today. Uh, today, we talked uh, to Garrett Fear, which means there's going to be a lot of expletives in this podcast. So, uh, you know, if you have little kids in the room or you're adverse to swearing, this might not be the episode for you. But we do talk about some really interesting stuff. Uh, Garrett is probably one of the most outspoken powerlifters in the entire powerlifting community. Um, you know, I think he's often misinterpreted uh, in his goals and people just see him as combative a lot of the times, but I think his heart is really in the right place. And I think if you know Garrett, it's very obvious that he just loves this sport more than maybe anybody else who's involved in the sport. Uh, he's a great dude. Um, he's got a lot of strong opinions, which he shares uh, on the podcast. Uh, we go back and forth about what potential changes we could do to legitimize the sport, uh, you know, and push it more uh, towards the production value, participation, uh, you know, and professionalism of, of other uh, sports. So, um, you know, I think I think if you're a power lifter and you care about the sport, this is a great episode for you. Uh, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Go Strong Equipment. They're the best strength sport equipment manufacturers in the game. Definitely check them out at www.gostrongequipment.com or you can check them out on Instagram at Go Strong Equipment. Uh, they have everything from monoliths to competition benches and everything in between. Uh, definitely uh, a great thing if you have a gym to put in your gym or if you have a home gym to throw in the garage, uh, any of the stuff that they have, it's awesome. Uh, again, as always, uh, we do competitions every month to win a free uh, whole drop from Hybrid Apparel. So all you have to do to enter that is uh, take a screenshot on your phone of the episode that you're listening to post it in your story, tag Steffi, myself, and Hybrid Unlimited, and you're automatically entered to potentially win an entire drop from Hybrid Apparel. Uh, you know, our drops keep getting cooler and cooler, and we choose multiple people every month, so it's definitely worth it to take the second out of your day to do that extra step. And we love seeing that you guys are listening and enjoying, so it's a nice little ego boost for us as well. Uh, yep, yeah, I think that's it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Hybrid Unlimited. What's this, your second time on the podcast? Third? Second. Second and a half. Second and a half. Because because he was in the room oh, because for the I was being one. annoying as You're shit. Interrupting. I was hammered on Juji's. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think you're our only uh, second time or two time guest other than uh, Chris Duffin, I think, right? What? Steffi doesn't pay attention on her own podcast. No, she doesn't, dude. I watch her fucking sit on her phone for 40, 40, 50, 60% of the podcast. And I'm like, how do you even do this? I know. It's brutal. Okay. I'll tell you what. For me, the phone is like a fidget spinner. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I pay a lot more attention if I'm doing online shopping while I'm in a podcast. Okay. That makes absolutely yeah. no fucking sense. No. To you. No, it's brutal. <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense at all, but that's yeah. okay. We can pretend. So you've been... um very vocal and what, what is, what's the word what did Steffi say the first time um when you met him at possible oh outspoken that's one of my fucking head tilt one of my favorite stories what did you do you walked up to him and you're like you introduced yourself for the first time and then Steffi goes what happened so she was at Bob and uh we were in like the dugout that's what I like to call it where like the lifters wait to go to the platform <laughs> and like Alex and uh, a couple of the other hybrid guys are all like, dude, fucking the shit you say, blah, 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 blah. And I don't remember really what happened exactly verbatim up until Steffi came in and she goes, yeah, you like do tend to get yourself in trouble online. And I was like, that's like, like sure. But like, I just say the shit nobody else wants to say. And or that everyone like, wants to say, but doesn't. Yeah. yeah, and she she had said outspoken <laughs> the first time. She had said like you tend to get yourself in trouble online because you're pretty outspoken. I was like, no, I just like say the shit everybody <laughs> else wants to say and doesn't have the balls to say. Just cocks a little, little fucking head and says outspoken. <laughs> like corrects me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever you said, outspoken. That's you so know you. what? Honestly, that was my nice way of being of telling you. That you're a fucking jerk online. <laughs> oh, I'm the jerk. Online, right. yeah. Like, I'm glad I'm on your good side because, man, I don't know what I would do. Oh, okay. First off, I didn't realize, and, like, I hope, like, obviously, I think everybody who has a decent following, like, has, like, quote-unquote haters, right? I didn't realize how many you had. 
Steffi. <laughs> I had no idea. I had a lot of haters. I, I had no idea. So listen, I know people who like don't like you for like very arbitrary reasons, and it usually is. And so I just I stay out of it, whatever. But when you typed that book about Jaffe and I going at it, and I, <laughs> and I reposted it with, it's like you literally ignored my DM. The amount of messages I got, like, are you guys friends? I fucking hate Steffi. You put her in her place. I'm like, what? Whoa, spill the tea, brother. Spill the tea. Why is it so deep? Why is it so deep? Spill the tea, bro. I want the exact um, name and and last name and and address. (laughs) To be frank, I don't even know most of the people. No, I'm kidding. Hey, it's it's lonely at the top. I interacting in my DMs on Instagram. I hate it. What are you talking about? You love that shit. No, I you do live, not. You live Go for that look. Garrett fear. You should tell tell anybody in the world to screenshot their DMs. Actually, don't tell anybody. <laughs> tell like, just like 98% of the people I DM with and ask them what our DMs look like. It's me liking their response or saying like LMAO in all capital letters. That's absolutely it. Oh, wow. Absolutely. So now we know if he does that to us that he's just blowing us off. Go look at my Instagram feed, like all my posts, and look at how little of my comments I interact with. Mm. Like direct question. I mean, like granted, I don't have like the type of interaction you have, so I don't have as much room to ignore people. But it's very obvious when I'm ignoring people. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious when I ignore people. Mm. Fair. On a more serious I just, note, I guess for me, like like you said, there's people who are just going to arbitrarily hate on you for being outspoken and for bullshit reasons, whatever. But from my perspective, what it looks like is that you're somebody who cares a lot about the sport and the integrity of the sport, maybe more so than anyone else who's who's active in the sport right now. Uh, so, I think that's pretty fucking obvious. <laughs> right. So, I mean, well, it, it seems to me, it seems obvious, but I think a, a lot of people get butthurt or they're OK with what you're doing until it's their turn to get called on depth or whatever, a gifted lift or whatever. And then it turns and all of a sudden you're you're their worst enemy, you know, and I think um, a lot of people maybe get confused and think that that you're attacking them, you know, but really what you're attacking is the standard that's being upheld. And and I think you actually made a good clarification um, when you did your little response to Steffi's response and you said like, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling people to ask to have their lifts overturned. I just want people to acknowledge when they're gifted a lift, you know, and, and to sort of, you know, not, not pretend that those lifts are okay. Cause that's the problem with the, with the sport, especially with all the different federations. So I guess what my question for you is, is like, what, what's your, what is your goal? What do you try to accomplish when you, when you call out, you know, a lift or poor judging standards or a bad meet or meet director or something like that? What's your goal? Um, I guess like in in thinking long-term, like, you know, everybody, I think everybody kind of talks about like the potential, um, legitimization of powerlifting Mm -hmm. and like where it could go, if it could go to Olympics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, making it a more spectator friendly sport is really my only goal is making it more spectator friendly, making people who don't or aren't directly involved with the sport, understand the sport appreciate the sport and hopefully one day like watching the sport because like the majority of people don't like watching powerlifting meets i've been to five powerlifting meets that people who aren't like super fans like me like actually enjoy like watching like in a great example that was like last year's showdown your guys's showdown and um you know a couple of the like the u.s opens like had that potential and they just didn't quite get it and uh like that's that's really it just to make it more spectator friendly when when the standard is so muddied mm-hmm. and like it so many things look so different it, it and and the people can at least understand what a squat is what a bench is what a deadlift is and seeing all the different techniques i think is part of the reason people can enjoy watching the sport because like my weight class is a great well the weight class i was in was a great example like the 198 weight class the lifters in that weight class are of so many different shapes and sizes and techniques. It's wild. Whereas uh, like once you get bigger than that, they all kind of look the same. Once you get smaller than that, they all kind of look the same. And like, that's part of the appeal. But when you start saying like, Oh, that squat was like way higher than the other guy's squat or, and it just muddies it. And so th- that's really the goal. That's the goal. 
It's interesting because Stephanie and I talked about this and like in sort of we're trying to just have like an open discussion on how important that really is. And you kind of made a good point where you said that human error is part of, of almost any sport to the point where like, you know, in general, the refing in the NFL or UFC or NHL or any of those major leagues, you know, it's, it's held to a high standard and it's scrutinized by millions of people, millions but of people. still, you know, you'll have a ref make a bad call that costs somebody a chance at the Super Bowl or like these huge things. And that's kind of maybe part of the, of what makes that sport interesting, you know, or like exciting that, that, that human error is there. But then at the same time, you kind of, you have like powerlifting so objective, like was your hip crease below your knee or not, you know, like, right. and it's not like, it's not like in football where you have to keep an eye on like 40 players at once. It's like, you're just watching one guy. How hard is it to see if their hip crease went below? And I, I don't know. I guess I'm still undecided on that. Like how important that really is in, to me, in terms of, in terms of the popularity of the sport. Yeah. I guess popularity and, and legitimization are, are kind of maybe two different things, but yes, they are, but they, they go hand in hand. And I think like any issue, you can't just point your fingers at one factor and, and blame the failure of powerlifting being broadcasted and being uh, more spectator friendly on the inconsistencies in judging in competitions. So I think yeah. that's, that is one issue for sure. But, mm-hmm. but, um, we we'll to talk about some of the other issues some of the other issues yeah stop your opinion. acting like powerlifting is stop acting like powerlifting is a fucking blood sport stop acting like we're going to war like there's still like and, and you guys probably don't see it as much but being on the local level often being at local contests often so much of the sport is still like dudes wearing t-shirts like with a fucking weird quote from spartacus on the back <laughs> and just like it's it's crazy to me that people still compare this sport to, to dying. So I would, I would, I would put that in the category of professionalism. I think that's another like really important aspect that's lacking. It's like, dude, if you're, you're gonna, you're gonna go compete. You're striving to be an elite athlete, behave like one, like go to a meet, like wear something normal for once. Yeah. Don't wear those shirts, you know, wear something that represents your team, you know, wear, if you're, if you're a coach, wear close toe shoes, wear a freaking, you know, polo, man. I don't want to see your dirty toenails, bro. That is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I, you know what? On the, on the, <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that fucking got me. No, but it, you're right. It's true. There, There's just, it's kind of like you have to look the part before you get the part, you know, and yeah. powerlifting. And I think actually the IPF is really attempting to do that with yeah. a lot of the stuff that they're doing, right? Yeah, they are. Like, I completely agree in every capacity. And, and a lot of people don't, don't like that because they're like, oh, we don't want this like, golf clap, quiet, hush, hush, old gray hair judge sort of vibe. But it's, I don't think you have to have one or the other. I think you no. can be somewhere in the middle. Like you can have a respectable sport and the judges can be professional and you know, you don't have guys. Have you ever been to a football game? Yeah. Like look at the stands of a football game and what the fuck is happening in the stands of a football game compared to what's happening down at the field. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, yeah, at the, the coaches, everybody is very professional. Like you mm-hmm. have to be. And I don't, I mean, they're getting paid a ton of money. So maybe that standard professionalism is there for that reason, partly also because they're in front of millions of people, like we said before, right? Like on TV and, and right. but that had to get there too. Like, like people, that's whenever true. we talk about other sports and what's happening in other sports versus power, to be like, Oh, that's because there's so much money in that now. Obviously, man, that they but they had like a they had like a grassroots too. It was way longer ago, and this sport's been around for way more time than all the fake made up sports with balls. Yeah, like people people been picking stuff up for like millennia, like for contest for sport. Yeah, like re- really th- like thinking about it and simplifying it in that capacity. Like it's been around longer. We've just done a shittier job showing it to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've done a shittier job making it presentable. We've done a shittier job making it inviting for people to want to get involved as athletes. Mm-hmm. Like all of those things, all of those things are factors. And like, it is really annoying for me. <laughs> it's so annoying for me. Cause this is the first sport 
I've ever, like, I was a track athlete. I did, I did football for a, a whole two games. I was a basketball athlete. Like I'd done it all. And it's like, n- none of it had that, that singular appeal as a, as an individual athlete here. We have that. And we present it in the shittiest ways. No one wants to wait four minutes for this dude to finish getting his rap. Then to walk up on the platform, to look up to the sky, bang his forehead on the bar, spend 40 <laughs> minutes wiggling underneath it. Like mm-hmm. no one wants to like, that's all that's boring. That's yeah. boring. They want to, they want to watch the act of the sport take place. What's at, most people's biggest complaint in football now is how much longer it takes to watch a football game. Yeah. And how is especially moving into the last two minutes of a football game that takes 30 minutes. And and like they want to see more of the sport take place. We do that in a lot of other ways too. Efficiency at contest is a huge one. That's mm-hmm. like being at your guys' meet last year. Mm-hmm. That you know, and and, it, and doing that with Alex, that was our entire goal. Mm-hmm. Was absolute efficiency and standard. And we created that. We changed a lot of how the just things as simple as like speaking at like individual events things as simple as like where partitions are placed can make the entire day go 30 minutes faster or an hour slower Mm -hmm. and and that boils into judging enforcing timers um spotting and loading is the biggest one and how quickly that is done and like a lot of times those things are missing you'll see meet directors come in and get their spotter and loader crew the day before the meet from the local gym yeah. And these kids have never spotted and loaded before. They've never touched kilo plates in their life or at minimum, no, no part of it has ever been explained. So people don't get to watch the actual sport take place as often. Powerlifting meets are eight hours long and boring as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're even boring for me when I compete. Like they're long. You're right. There's, like there's, I get bored. There's, there's a lot points. of, a lot of periods of inactivity. Mm-hmm. And I think like even more so than other sports, the vast majority of a powerlifting meet is inactivity. A lift takes, you know, a couple seconds and then you're waiting, you know, you have like a couple minutes before and after that lifter goes for the next first guy to get off the platform. And then when he's done for the, you know, right. all, so, all that stuff. So that's where production value comes in. You know, exactly. you can have stuff in the venue that makes it more entertaining lights and good music, not Good music, please. Like, stop playing hard. I don't want to hear kryptonite one more fucking time. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, for God's sake, good music, some light, some, like, good a good score scorekeeping, you know, a good announcer, somebody that, like, actually does that. Yeah, I think in powerlifting and, and, like, in... And what's applicable, like a good MC is the, is the easiest way to make a meet enjoyable. A good MC is the easiest way for, for, to make a meet enjoyable for a spectator Yeah, and to make that time move like the lights and, and the music and stuff. That's all, that's all helpful. Like for like smaller periods of time, but speaking of from the meet as a whole, like shitty MCs are also 99% of like the local levels issue. Like, dude, just go grab the loudest guy who's not afraid to talk and put him up there and people will fucking eat it up. Let yeah. him let him spew off his bullshit. Let him at least make, make sure he knows what he's talking about. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Like Jordan Moffat at our meet last year. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Jordan was awesome. And Jordan's dry. And he is and he he kills that like character of being dry uh-huh. and, he, and he does it so well he was awesome to watch mc that yeah it's funny that it was funny to watch actually because it's like the first five ten minutes of him being up there they're like everyone's kind of trying to figure out what his deal is like is this guy being serious and a dick or is he like is he just have like does he have like a dry type of humor you know and they had to kind of wait to, for like all the people who knew him to like laugh at the th- like oh these are jokes okay and then everybody was on board you know with who jordan moffett so, oh, yeah, remember yeah. he emceed the meet last year yeah I had to get the logos, <clears throat> excuse me, from Jordan as well. Uh-huh. And it, when he sent the email with his logos, he just attached one question. I saw. Did you know the human head weighs approximately eight pounds? That's <laughs> <laughs> some of the funniest shit in the world. He uh, he puts little notes like that into packages that he ships out too for his apparel company. Oh, I have one literally right here. <laughs> I have it right here. Oh, yeah, babe. That's it. <laughs> in his little chicken scratch writing yeah oh yeah babe that's oh absolutely it 
Uh, he's it's a- the best. It's the absolute best. Jordan's a great example of somebody who stayed active on the local level um, as like a, a brand. And yeah. a, a lot of the stuff that he did up in Canada at the local, what's the is it C- CPU? CP- well, CPU is the, is the IPF affiliate and then um, CPF. CPL. See, I think yeah. it has to change recently. Meets. Go ahead. You cut, I'm sorry, the whole screen lag. I didn't hear anything you said. Oh, no, no. I was just saying, yeah, like it's C- CPF is another one. There's a few, but he's very, uh, he's very active. Like he, yeah, I very, think more than anyone, he gets out, especially more than any other company. He's out like at all the local meets every weekend. I see him at, you know, something different. Yeah. Down here. That's like, um, if you guys have heard of live, you guys know, live large, the brand live large, uh-huh. yeah. the owner of live large, his name's Nick. And he has a guy now who works with him, Kevin McHugh, those two, like every single, and especially when Nick first started every single meet in Ohio, he brought his booth to, he set up, he like asked the meet directors, Hey, can I set up here? And he was there involved all the time. Mm-hmm. You like, like seeing more of that now is, is, is pretty nice. I, I do. I, I can't lie. I kind of love playing the game of like, all right, how many more months does this company have to be alive? Like, <laughs> like how long are you, how long are you going to try to get away with selling t-shirts, acting like you're going to die for a piece of steel? Like, <laughs> I, I'm, let's, let's do this, man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that is fun. It, it that is though. It, you're right though that that is a kind of a weird um, barrier to entry, maybe for lack of a, a better word. Like just that keeps people out of the sport. You know, overcoming that sort of like intimidation thing of like you know crazy powerlifters slapping each other, bleeding from their face. Yeah. Why does hardcore have to be like uninviting? Oh yeah, I mean, you look at UFC fighters. I don't see anyone. As at, they're they're literally going to physically fight another human being, and they're behving more calmly and professionally than a lot of the powerlifters we see. Yeah, and that says Inclu- a lot. Including myself, I hope nobody thinks that that I, we're not acknowledging that because I am also the worst competitor in the world. Every single meet, I like yell at least once. Like I do something super cringy and stupid. <laughs> so like like I said, it's an issue we're working on as a sport okay but there's also a fine line between being a, a character you know that people can either love or hate or both you know like you need those types of people in sports you need personality like i don't i don't want to go watch a powerlifting meet where you know everybody's personality calm and battling you know what no, i mean personality is one thing professionalism is another yeah, and right. you, can, you can have I agree, both. I agree with that statement. You know? But if an athlete gets a shit call and pops off at the judge or something, like, okay, that's part of the sport. That happens in pro sports, you know? You, you kind of, like, every once in a while, something like that can happen and still... I have, yeah. an, I have a personal awesome example of exactly that. <laughs> the, 20, the 18 U.S. Open, after when they were red lighting everybody, on my second attempt squat, I hit the hole, like, bounced out very quickly, and basically a quarter way up, said, like, just like this, I went... Give me that. I said, <laughs> <laughs> to the referees and then caught a fat red light. Three uh, fat red lights. That was a rough year. That was a rough yeah, year for that competition. Rough. You know, I think. Those were some I, of the most bullshit calls I've ever seen in my life. Did you feel like they were consistently strict though? Or do you they feel were, like you some mean people. You they got, were consistently bullshit? Yeah. If, uh, if that's the, the case, I don't it, think there's anything wrong with it. Like in to, my mind, in my mind, they were they were so strict they didn't know where their standard was. Yeah. So at any second they could throw a red light. There's only like there was only like a couple on my platform, or maybe it was the the flight before my flight on the other side. The whole flight missed their first squat. The entire flight missed their first squat for depth calls. Wow. And that to me alone proves like okay something's up. Yeah, Like this is a USPA meet. Everybody knew this was a USPA meet. Nobody went into this thinking we're competing for the APF or the SPF. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody caught a red light. Like everybody caught three reds. Mm, this looks bad. And it did look bad. Yeah, that's true. There was a lot of complaints about that. And, meet. Then, and even Steffi, you, Steffi, you actually, your first squat was a real mistake. You stepped early to re-rack the bar, but then you're like, it was super easy. So you went up. Missed it. 10 kilos. Missed it for depth, which I actually thought was a good lift at the time. Um, And then it was pretty stressful because you had to make the third, but you came through. But that was, uh, 
probably unnecessarily stressful for a lot of people. Yeah. That meat. Yeah, but because go ahead. That meat just like is it for me? It's one I still frequently bring up because it's the only like hot like one of the in terms of powerlifting publicity one of the high publicity events with high level lifters with like a lot of like social media type lifters that everybody saw happen. Mm-hmm. So for me that like that one comes up often. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, I mean I think they're probably they probably emphasize those calls specifically to like avoid being called. For, for having bad calls. Yeah, I think for exactly that like reason. Like they went to the Be- other side. Because it had so much exposure, they didn't want, uh, you know, what had happened at uh, Record Breakers. In, yeah, I think it was in that my same mind, year. In my mind, like a couple of bad calls in a meet, like that comes with the territory. Like the, the first thing I think of when it comes to bad calls mm-hmm. is actually in like MMA when they stop a fight late. Because that's like one of the most frequent yeah. things. Or early. Is- is, yeah, it's like later early stops in a fight. Yeah. And so like to me, like you'll see that on every single UFC event, every single one, you, you will have that issue with, uh, at least once yeah. an early stoppage or a late stoppage. And so it's like, so like expect to have like, uh, I, yeah, I should have thrown a red at that spot. That was a gift. Like gifts, gifts are going to happen when an entire meet is gifts followed by like super horrifically strict calls. Like that's a huge issue. Mm. For sure. Especially when people are competing for money and they're competing for, uh, world records. Yeah. You know, and, and, and something that like, I wish could be more more talked about is like, they're also competing for like prestige amongst other lifters. Like there's something to be said for like being stronger than other people or simply performing better than other people. Like that's, I'm so sick of everybody. Like I do this to be better than myself. The last time I stepped on this, this I'm not competing with any. Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! <laughs> no. You don't want to be stronger than anybody. There's nobody you want to be stronger than. I can think of 30 people who I want to be stronger than me. I absolutely hate that they're stronger than me. Like I do. I fucking hate it. Like I feel like I deserve it more. Of course I fucking think that, but I don't. I, yeah. I, you know, you know who yeah. I really want to be stronger than John Hack. Why the fuck is he so fucking strong? <laughs> is he so fucking strong. Why? Who the fuck gets that strong? Who, like for what, dude? Stop. Leave. <laughs> like I hate you, dude. <laughs> I, I, I love John, by the way, but like, fuck, man. No, I get it. And you know what? I also dude, think when, I- when people say that. It's just a bullshit thing that they think they're supposed to say. Because look, if you don't care about beating other people, what are you doing in a it's competition? A competition. Go lift in your garage by yourself and get better and beat yourself every day. Yeah, apparently, and this this is something that triggers me so much. Powerlifting is the only sport where you're supposed <laughs> you're supposed to be clapping in the back for the people you're competing against that are like about to beat you, dude. Yeah. I got so much shit. Because I was standing in the back of, I think, I think it was, uh, whose video was it? Mariana. Who's that? <laughs> Mariana 2019 current. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That chick. So I was standing in the back and <laughs> I was just standing in the back, minding my own business. Right. Like just like standing like this in the zone, like, in looking, my looking zone, right? like I'm legit. I have my last deadlift that I need to beat her. And everyone was like, she's so unsupportive. Like, look at her, like all pissed off. What did what I'm supposed to like cheer for the girl that's about to take $40,000 from me. Somebody, somebody else, this person didn't catch a lot of shit, but people tried to bring this up to me. Um, Briani, you guys know Briani, Uh Terry. Yeah. Um, when she competed at record breakers, like, like with Christy Hawkins, like she wasn't cheering for Christy or, Christy on her third deadlift. Why would she? She was sitting there in a chair in the background, head down, arms on her legs. I mean, full blown man spreading. Like she was ready to go just like this, like staring down the platform, like focused. Like, and people were like, wow, she's so disrespectful. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> They're pulling world records back and forth to win. Yeah, like you should be like loving what you're seeing. Yet yeah, you're finding something. Yeah, <sighs> ridiculous. Yeah, it's a, I think ex- it's a weird expectation to always constantly support your competition during the competition. Dude, look, I'll respect my competition always. I'll always go up uh, uh, up to them afterwards if they beat me, and I'll be like, you know, that you know that was an awesome match. Like, thanks for thanks for pushing me. But during the competition, dude, I. I'm in my head. I'm like, I hope she misses. I hope she misses. I hope she misses. You know, it's a imagine, competition. Imagine if, 
A great, a great, imagine if you're a fighter. Oh, fuck, great hook, bro. Oh, fuck you, yeah. dude. <laughs> Dude, or or like imagine so in a football game if they someone misses a game winning field goal does the whole other team go oh that's so sad for them I really wish they won the game it's like no you they they go nuts and celebrate because they won because the other person missed that's what sports are exactly. they're supposed to be competitive exactly I hate for that. somebody who's obnoxious that. as I am it's just a horrifically obnoxious ideal to have <laughs> yeah no it's weird I don't I, maybe there's just too many dorks in the sport so can can we talk about So do you guys think that it would be possible to shut down all federations and just leave like USPA and like WPF? Somebody would have to buy them. Somebody had to buy them. All of them? That's still, But the that, problem that is the only, they'll, a the new one will spring up. How? Because everyone who's ever had a, a bad experience with a freaking dip of certain federations goes and starts their own federation. That's why there's a hundred of them or whatever, you know? It's yeah, like, but like, I mean, when you're talking about federations that are like, because they're like, okay, who is your favorite lifter in three, six, five strong? Yeah, I've never even seen a meet. Dude, exactly. Like, and that's a pop-up fed. Like, let, whatever, let it go. No one cares. If sure. we can do that, if we can get to a point where like there's an, a tested fed and an untested fed that are, are truly dominating and you can... And you can legitimize the idea of like, oh, that is a USPA. We have some of that now, right? We have that like elitism now. Like, mm -hmm. oh, it wasn't IPF. Who fucking cares? Like, you see that all the time. Like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, but that was – I've even heard people like, yeah, but that was USPA. Like, I hear that. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, whatever. That's weird. But like, <laughs> you go into open powerlifting and you see somebody who did a – frankly, who did like an XPC meet, you're going to be like, eh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder true. what that looked like. Even if it was amazing, even if the standard was that Stacy Burr mm -hmm. did an awesome, awesome job at the XPC meet in 18 mm -hmm. and at the Arnold and put up that highest Wilkes and it, she did squatted beautifully, bench beautifully, deadlifted beautifully, all the standard, no questionable calls, no issues in the court of public opinion, but you go to open powerlifting and you don't really know, say, say hypothetically, you don't know who Stacy Burr is, which kind of no federations. And you see that was done XPC. You're gonna whitewash it. Fuck that thing. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that. Thing. I guess what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. So I I do think they're like, how many semi-pro football players do you guys know? No. Yeah. Of course. How yeah. many football players do you know who don't play in the NFL or Division One college? Yeah. Zero. None. That's the whole thing. We need to have a, like a and we have them. We're just not utilizing them the right ways. Or maybe we are, and there's just still, you know, like I said, buying all the other feds would be the only way to do it. You'd have to pay them. You'd have to pay whoever owns it to have it. Yeah, that's it's tough, man. Because there's a lot. Even now with like the dominating feds, like it used to be I only wanted to compete USPA because to me, that was the untested equivalent of the IPF. And mm -hmm. I thought for the most part, good judging, you know, they do equipment checks. Good they do organization. A, well, good organization. Well. There's a ton of meets. Most people compete in USPA if they compete untested who are well known, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I thought that was great, but... Uh, you know, after having dealing, dealt with a bunch of federations uh, to throw our meets, you know, things pop up where it's like, for us, it just wasn't worth it for, to throw USPA meets anymore because we want to offer large cash prizes. We want to, you know, have control over the event and, uh, and a bunch of other little things. And when we were throwing the USPA meet, they like wanted a, a large percentage of the sponsorship money that came in from our sponsorship relationships. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm not going to go to monster and ask for $10,000 to give to athletes. If I have to cut off half of that to go to the USPA, it makes no sense. Right. Mm -hmm. It just, so, you know, we were able to go to WRPF and do whatever we want. And for us, well, I like that because we know we're going to have good judges. We know we're going to uphold a good standard. Exactly. You know, so I don't feel the need to, have to prove that the competition is going to be legit by going through USPA. But there's like, it's a weird thing. Like every, every federation has some sort of little asterisk beside it that, that can politics, take away from it. Politics always play a role is what it boils down to. Yeah. For politics, sure. when, once something starts to pick up steam, and I'm, I'm sure the same things have happened in the NFL and I'm sure the same things have happened in the NBA where politics just kind of <laughs> muddy those waters. Uh, when organizations get big enough and the USPA's organization got big enough, the IPF USAPL's organizations got big enough where you see political things like that happen. It's unfortunate. 
So what do you think? What do you think step one to improving the sport, to unifying it, you know, getting it on the track that you see best? Okay. Uh, step one, that's realistic. Um, honestly, improving quality of meets. That's the first step. And that's in the hands of the meet directors and the referees that they choose to put in their chairs. And I think that's, that's numero uno in the realistic steps to me. The easiest step would just be like people compete to the standard, but like that's way too many individual minds to attempt to get into. So what level of responsibility do you think there is on the, the athletes themselves to just, instead of like, Oh, I'm going to do an APF meet and just make sure I compete to a good standard. Like, should they just do a USPA meet or, you know, like, is it their response? I know there's some places that don't have access to like a ton mm-hmm. of good meets, but yeah. To what extent is the responsibility on the lifter? Um, I think the, I think the, like speaking in our current, in the current climate, like the fed really doesn't necessarily matter, but I think at some point it will. Um, I think you can get away with competing in most feds and being pretty legit, but I think at some point it will get to a point where like, it's so bad that nobody can SPF is a great example. Like mm-hmm. the fed as a whole did so bad that entire meets were getting like washed out. Even if there were good lifts in it, even if there were great lifts in it. Um, and I mean, I've heard people, um, talk about, uh, Joe Sullivan did his first 2000 at like 17 or 16 record breakers. And like, I've heard people like be like, who cares? It was an SPF meet. Like you go watch Joe's meet and it was like done beautifully. And, and then a great example of lifters taking integrity inside those federations is JP price at 17 record breakers or 16 as well. I think it was 16. He got a really fast press command on a 639 bench, like a non-existent press command. Mm. When he posted it, he's like, I got virtually no press command. Uh, You know, I think I still would have got it with a real one. But that's what happened here. Like I got a gift and it, you know, it counts like it's going to be in books and, and it was legit anyway. But like, I think, I think it's, an, I think it's not necessarily an equal responsibility because I think the person, the people in the organizations providing the service have to have the majority of the accountability of that service is being upheld to a good standard. Um, like I said earlier, asking a bunch of different lifters to uphold the same integrity is, is the impossible fix, but it would be the easiest one. Yeah, of course. I mean, especially with people who are very competitive or, and are always looking for an edge, you know, to win and get a record and do X, Y, Z it's to be expected, you know, just like how people cheat and take drugs and drug tested sports to gain an edge. It's like, it's kind of, that's like the version of it in untested sports. It's like going to a shit fed and get a Man, but I pass think, your high squats. I, I think the responsibility lies more on the meat director, like on the yeah. meat director, the person putting up the meat should, it's his response, his or her responsibility to select a federation that's reputable. And even if you choose a federation that's not reputable, you can still host an amazing meet if you train your judges to this, to the appropriate standard, right? It's and like last year, Hi, last year, hybrid showdown, the WRPF, we all know it does not have the best reputation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. One in one meet in Russia, they used borderline bumper plates yeah. at another meet. There were obvious high mm-hmm. squats given away at another meet. There was talks of not red lighting a specific lifter that came from, you know, the, the, the meet director himself. Like they don't have the best reputation. Mm-hmm. You guys and Alex, uh, put on an awesome event like and you guys delegated very very well and used your resources very very well to put on a good event Mm -hmm. and like it's it really is as simple as that it really is as simple as that yeah just make sure that the judges that you're selecting have experience judging powerlifting meets and if they don't have experience make sure that you're explaining to them exactly what they need to be doing Mm -hmm. like that that solves the issue if they're well trained in how to judge i agree every at every meet that I'll be hosting, I will be doing like an athlete, you know, you do your normal rules meeting. I'll also have a spotters and loaders meeting. And I'll also have a referees meeting mm-hmm. where like, like, you know, obviously you guys know how the athlete meeting goes. We're like the spotter and loader meeting. Like every time, no matter what, even if you have the same crew, you go over the proper techniques of spotting and loading, you 
uh, reinforce constantly that like speed and safety are the two most, I'm sorry, efficiency and safety are the two most important things to uphold as a spotter and loader. And, you know, going into the referees, you know, you can talk about, Hey, you know, this last meet, there were a lot of weird calls for this issue. Let's keep an eye on that. This meter is so on and so forth. Those things, they frankly just don't happen. There's, there's in a lot of federations and for a lot of meet directors, there's so much, there's so little regulation on how they actually run the daily contest. It's, it's odd to me. It's very odd to me. And maybe that's just because I'm a micromanager. Like I'm, I micromanage like a motherfucker. And like, I know how to do every single job that there is to do at a, in, in a powerlifting contest. And so I go, okay, you should be doing that like this type of way. And that will work the best. And like, that's not to say that there isn't going to be room for improvement on what I'm doing or that I'm not open to learn. I've just done everything. I've actually done spotting and loading. I've, I've literally from the very bottom of assembling the platform to the meet, putting up the banner all the way to emceeing the whole meet and you know, this month, or I'm sorry, in January, I'll be like directing my first meet, doing all the back end work on top of the actual daily work on the platform Mm -hmm. and doing it now and seeing what it takes. I'm just like shocked. Like it's, it's, it's shocking to see how little effort goes into these meets as from most, from the majority of meet directors. Yeah. I'm, I do like to give people the benefit of the doubt for the most part and say that I think they have good intentions when they're throwing a meet, you know, mm-hmm. they're trying to, to be a part of the community or whatever. But I think a lot of people are just ill-prepared. They go into it and and they haven't done all those things. So they don't know what's all involved in a meet. And there, there is a lot involved in a meet, you know, I like, think that should be some of the requirements to become a meet director or a referee. Yeah. You should have to like shadow it's, somebody who, who is a meet director and go to the, a meet with them and yeah, or something like that. So like refer, like, um, in the USPA, for example, referees have to take a hundred question practical, they, sorry, minimum requirement is they've had to have competed in two powerlifting meets, sanctioned powerlifting meets. And that may have even been changed to two USPA meets. Following that you have a 100 question, um, true or false quiz based on the rule book that is very oddly worded. And you have 30 days to do it and it's open book. You can use the entire rule book for the whole thing. And then you shadow a referee for, I think it's like 150, hundred total lifts, basically in a powerlifting contest, like a hundred total lifts. So that's like, you know, you run through all first attempt squats, second attempt squats. It's really easy to get a hundred lifts, you know, at a 45 lifter meet, there's 115 lifts that take place. Per flight, right. I'm sorry, that was horrible math. <laughs> I'm not even doing the math right now. I don't even know what it is. I'm honestly, yeah, so, <laughs> there's a hundred lifts is per, it, fu- oh, per so, fucking flight. Hold on, I've thrown out for a sec. Is this what he's suggesting that judges should do? Yes. Yes, that's what you're suggesting they should do. I'm but suggesting you should have to go. And, yeah. yeah. But okay, su- here's the thing. I don't think it's not that easy to find people to. To judge your meat. So I'm just, I'm thinking like that would reduce the, the pool of available judges for a particular meat. Huh? Pay them. That's exactly what it would do. Pay them to observe. That's exactly what it would do. Pay them to observe. What? To observe. Oh, no, no. Well, pay. Do you know what else? G- give an incentive for them oh, to judge. Incentive. So they get paid it would, it, and they judge. It, it, not only would there be like less referees, it would make, like, for example, like people brag. I have no people person who brag about being an MLB umpire, but people brag about What's those that? things. The umpire, yeah. the guy who stands behind the plate, home plate and makes the calls strike. Yeah. So I, yeah. I love that idea actually. Yeah. So being you- a referee in sports, like you got to think in MMA, they announce who their referee is before every time they tell you how many fights that there's statistics on the referees Yeah, because it's a more stringent process to become one. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. it's now more legitimate to be one. Dude. And so like, how stupid is the referee test for which one was the last one that we did? Was it WRPF? A, how WRPF. stupid was well, that? Fifty questions, op- open book, and that was it, right? Fifty questions, open book, and like, it. and honestly, like the questions that you're answering don't even pertain to like the actual judging. Like, should you know what's in that the book? W, the WRPF test. One of the questions on the test is. It's actually called the WRP now. Uh, but one of the questions on the test was, what does the acronym WRP mean? 
I mean, are you kidding me? I, yeah, I don't think that's necessarily important to be no. able to, to judge a meat. No, I think that most of, okay. Have you ever taken a um, CrossFit judging uh, test? Have you? No, no. I did an NCCP no, for I, weightlifting. Though. I have, I, I do know a lot about the um, novice level CrossFit certifications. Okay, no, but I'm not talking about that. So in order to judge the open, you have to take like this test that in this course followed by a test and during the course there's a lot of like uh, real case practical examples so for example they show you a video of a person doing wall balls and they tell you count how many reps this person got right and you count them and then and you have to give them no reps for you have to give them no reps if they say like they didn't extend their hips or they didn't bring whatever the standard they the ball didn't touch the height that it was in that way, like you can actually practice how you're going to see it in real life and whether or not the person is uh, performing the exercise to the standard that that the organization wants them to do. So, like, I think that's a way better way to teach people than like a 50 question or 50 test question of like arbitrary mm. arbitrary information that you that you as a judge are never going to have to use. Yeah. Now, p- part of the issue could be like I talked about this earlier is like, you know, the NFL had its grassroots. The NBA had its grassroots is like, you know, part of the issue could be we're still in the grassroots. So sure. like we have to have this massive influx of referees to keep holding contests in general because we have there's quite a bit of referees in just the USPA alone. Like there's sure. a lot like in, in California alone, there's literally like 100 referees in the state, mm-hmm. like literally, if not more. California is divided into Northern California judges and Southern California judges because there's that many. That is also where the Federation started. So that's part of the reason and where its headquarters are. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like I said, if we bringing legitimacy to the sport would have to happen on all of those levels and it's going to take time. That's the other thing. I'm not like, I'm not unrealistic with like what I think is going to happen. I don't think in five years we're going to fucking be on the ESPN streaming channel. No, yeah. like, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think if we start pushing for a better standard now and you know higher production value now and better refereeing now that like in 20 years or 25 years or whatever, we can, we can see that it becoming a mainstream sport with its own legitimatized professional league and, and, uh, and other things like that. Sure. If WWE can make it, we can make it. For sure. Uh, to go back to your point about like the pool of referees, I actually think that having fewer referees would be good for the sport because that does what? It drives up demand for referees, which means that that role becomes more important, which means this now becomes Higher a role paid. that can get paid actual money that's worth it to go sit through this if you're not just a super fan of the sport, right? Yeah, yeah who knows? Maybe yeah. you could be a full-time judge and like you you get flown around the world to to judge powerlifting competitions. And if and if that becomes and your and if that becomes, becomes standardized. Your, but if that becomes your job on some level, then that's you're going to take a more- to happen for me. That's exactly what you guys did. You flew me to Florida to come referee me. Yeah. There you go. You know? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think that's that's really good. But you know what? Like, so you were saying, I don't expect this to happen now, but, you know, maybe 10, 20 years. Like, we just have to give it time. I think that that somebody has to, has to you know, initiate some of these changes and fight for these changes and help other people implement them. Like, somebody needs to actually take action to help these these changes take place. Right. And that's going to be hybrid. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I don't know. Well, I, I have another question oh, maybe for both I of you guys. I kind of was already doing it, but I guess not. Damn, I was going <laughs> to turn this way. Um, you're part of Ouch. hybrid. <laughs> oh, I'll take that. Anyway, what's the next question? I think, uh, or I want to know both your opinions. So if, if a meet, for something to be considered legitimate at this point, it basically has to end up on open powerlifting, right? Like that's how we, that's how we check, quantify and verify that something is a world record. If I want to see who's first, second, third in the sport, I go to open powerlifting and check. Mm-hmm. If it's not there, I if, don't know. If that's yeah, Sure. Yeah. Right. I guess so. Yeah. So I think that they have a lot more power in this sport than, than they think. Yeah. And I think they, they have. have the ability if they wanted to, to allow and disallow certain competitions, certain federations, certain lifts. That, that don't meet the standard, like 
why why not start there with the people who keep track of everything instead of worrying about oh let's do let's get rid of this federation let's hope that another federation buys this one like there's so many moving parts to like unify all of the federations when you already have this body mm-hmm. that could kind of just be I the could- governing body and just just be the judge. Yeah. I completely agree with absolutely everything you said. I think, think that might be an easy like, first step. Their their name like already fits that mold. It's open powerlifting. It's mm-hmm. just all of powerlifting, what it is in its entirety. Like don't hold any loyalties to feds. Don't uh, – that, that's the only thing I would start to worry about over time. I know some of the people who do some of the work for open powerlifting um, and I've had conversations with some of those people and um, – um, people of open powerlifting have strongly expressed that they just want to be essentially like a, just a database, like just data keepers. But I think keeping that data is kind of what gives them the opportunity to take that role that you're speaking for of. For sure. You ever seen Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility and whether they want it or not, <laughs> they might have this responsibility now because they've reached a certain level of power by, by being the, you know, by getting rid of Basically, they phased out uh, – what was the other one? Powerlifting Watch. That used to be the one that took care of everything. Yeah. They just yeah. out-technologied and, and you know kept up with things way better than them. And that other guy got into some weird stuff that kind of made people want to boycott the site. We won't go, we won't go into that. But We don't uh, have to. <laughs> I'm sure most people listening know anyways or you can Google it. But, um, you know, it's – yeah, I think that they – they might, if they haven't already, reach a certain point where it's kind of their responsibility to do so. <laughs> that- that was my like about a year ago that was like kind of the the big thing i i just thought was going to happen was that open powerlifting would just make their own federation mm-hmm. but they but again they like they were they're still very grassroots too they operate entirely off of patreon donations to their website sure and then and which with, poses with its that, own risks cuz then you know maybe that maybe that starts happening they start getting big donations from certain federations you know, to, to exactly. That's, that's what I was saying. That's the only thing I would worry about. You know, the USPA starts donating or the USAPL starts donating or whoever, or, you know, SPF gives them 10 G's and says, Hey, count these next three meets, no matter what, or whatever, you know? Sure. And so, so to finding a way where we could regulate that system. Like if, I mean, I don't know, and maybe I'm stepping on some toes here by saying this, but like, say open power lifting charged federations to keep their records and things like that. I mean, sure. that, that could potentially work for them. And now they have enough value to the, the consumers and athletes inside of powerlifting that that could become a legitimate thing mm-hmm. yeah. that they, they would be the, the unifying body of all the federations that everybody's been talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, the NFL still has the AFC and the NFC. Uh-huh. I mean, it would just be a little bit different here and yeah, it's uncharted waters, but it doesn't mean it's not attainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with I agree. you. It's like they have the infrastructure already for it. So it, it seems like a natural progression if they want to do it, you know, ultimately it's up to them. But um, t- tell us a little bit about this meet that just went down. It was a surge to oh, new levels. USPA meet. So I want to preface this with uh, Sergio Luna is an awesome dude who every other time has put up an awesome contest and is also trying to do a lot for the sport in the Midwest and obviously nationally putting up these like uh, upper intermediate money meets and like having a roster comprised of like a hundred of like, you know, of the top 100 lifters is awesome. So I want to preface it with that. And I also have a lot of respect for surge. The refereeing was very inconsistent and subpar at best. Um, there were some very questionable, um, <laughs> commands, questionable calls, basic infractionary calls that a, a very low level referee could very easily spot out. It looked to me like a lot of the referees in the contest were afraid um, to red light stronger lifters, more uh, social media type lifters um, like that. That's what it looked like the issue was. And it, it looked like in other cases, there was just a lot of uh, laziness um after the fact i talked about it quite a bit on instagram and um like you guys know what happened with trevor like I, when i made that post um are you guys cool by the way yeah yeah we were cool beforehand and i i think we're cool now and he 
apologized at a couple of points for like trying to get personal with me about it. And, um, so like, I see all that as good things. I apologize for just being as absolutely brash as I am. Um, but when I made that first, when I made all those posts, I made like three posts in succession, pulling up three examples of the contest. And one was, um, Dan Mazenchik. I think that's how you say his last name. Who's a, a solid, a great lifter who almost always lifts to a great standard. Um, on his third deadlift, his grip started to obviously go about halfway up. And by the time he got to a lockout position that it wasn't, he couldn't hold it. It was already falling down. There was no, at no point did the movement stop. Like it was constantly going, it was never finished. And on that lift, it went two to one, no good. So somebody still threw a white light at it. The second example I gave was of a lifter getting a legitimate four second press command. Wow. Uh, I mean, like, like you can see from the side, like the barbell stopped moving. And yes, after two seconds of it being on her chest, it lost a little bit of tension and moved on one side, but it was already a ridiculous pause point. Oh, Nobody would have held the station. I saw that lift actually. And she completed the lift and didn't she get no lift, uh, no lift for it. She, so why they called no lift is fine. They called no lift for a good reason. She locked out her right side considerably more before her left. Every single rule book has an uneven lockout rule. Right. Um, and so like, that's fine. The press command was the issue. It was very obviously stopped on her chest. It should not have been that. It looked like the head referee forgot. I mean, more than anything, Oof. I had heard from people who were there that maybe she was being punished. And I don't, that is all conjecture, but that maybe that that lifter was being punished because on she got called for her first two attempts on her butt and tried to show the referee's video footage of her butt, which you, you can't do. Right. Um, that, and that's the whole separate thing in of itself, the butt calls. And then the last example that I posted was of Trevor's deadlift, which was very obviously no lift and wouldn't have been a lift sure. at all. I agree. He would have, he, he was going to fall forward within the next coming quarter second regardless. Right. We've seen it in all of Trevor's training videos. You can go, go watch any of them. If anything, some of the only deadlifts he's been able to hold are ones where it's banded down at the ground because the whip doesn't pull him forward. I'm a, I'm a lifter who struggles with rip, whip too. Deadlifts pull me forward too. It happened at my last meet. I missed 804 because the whip pulled me forward at the very, very top of the lift and the lift did move well. And like, it happens. Like I, mm-hmm. and when I made that post and I said, I tagged Trevor and I go, bro, like how, like how did this get passed? I meant it in a way. And now granted you can't understand or try to even understand or imagine what my tone was going to be, especially from like a vocal standpoint, reading a text on a screen. Mm. But I said, how did this get passed? I wasn't saying fuck you Trevor <laughs> for, for not, uh, uh, turning down this lift. I said, bro, how'd this get passed? I completely expected because I know Trevor. I've talked uh-huh. to Trevor on, on tons of basis about tons of different things. I've listened to Trevor talk uh, in other conversations. And I expected Trevor to say something along the lines of, I don't know, man, like I got, uh, I got a gift and it's wild, but I'll take it, you know, sure. which is what I completely expected. And it, and it would have been a fine response. Instead, he like says he got a quick down command and then questioned my manhood because I pulled out of a meet because I had like quad tendinopathy and like just like it hurt too bad to fucking squat too way too bad. And I could only squat on an SSB for some reason and uh, pulled out of a meet and he like called me, you know, he said I lacked manhood for doing that. And then hell kind of ensued. Uh, there was like a small, like back, uh, pretty big back and forth on his page and stuff. And like, so I finally, it's like, dude, this is so ridiculous. I sent him like some videos on Instagram, like using like Instagram's like Snapchat feature. Uh-huh. And I'm like, dude, this is, like, this is ridiculous. Like, here's like, if I need to explain this, here's what I meant. I like, like you, I never meant to say anything, but like, dude, this was a gift. And like, you know it. And it's like, in the end, he apologized for getting personal with me on multiple occasions. I apologized for being brash. We shook hands about it, you know, virtually. And I still said, I just hate that you are like roundabouting the fact that you got a gift. Sure. And his literal response to that was like, I got a fast down command. 
So he's going to die with that one. He's going to die saying <laughs> he got a fast down command on 804. That will never change. That's fine. Um, Trevor's obviously strong. I'm not denying his strengths, but I mean, I've gone four for nine. My last three meets, my gym totals a hundred pounds higher than my meet total. And that's for a reason. <laughs> that's for a reason. Sure. I don't compete to the level I train at and Trevor doesn't either. And that's okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think your conversation probably would have gone a lot differently had it been in person. And that's sort of the dangers of the whole social media thing, right? Like you said, you can't interpret tone or intent through through writing. And while, you know, your intentions are good and I think it, it doesn't even matter who it is necessarily you're talking about. Like I've, I've realized that it's always just the standard that you're talking about. You're using people as examples, but it's not an attack on them personally. And I think that's where where people get like mixed up about it. Yeah. And why people I, think get upset. I think Steffi's gotten some di- gifts on depth. You think? Oh yeah. I think that for sure. And, and I think there was, a, there was a lot of meets where uh, like depth was definitively questionable. And that's uh, to that end though. Like when you get to that higher level, especially being in raps, raps specifically, sure. like it, it's, it is, it's a muddier line and that's going to be one of the obstacles we face with spectators is like, Partial. Oh, oh. <laughs> sorry. <He's> just, <laughs> my roommate stepped on his dog's paw. <laughs> um, and then, um, I'm sorry. Where was I? Um, talking shit oh, about yeah, my just, depth. Yeah. <laughs> just depth in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, a struggle we're gonna and so have I to think, face. I think. I think equipped, partially equipped powerlifting, rap powerlifting, which I love, and I'll probably always kind of compete in and out of raps. Um, it's going to be a hard sell for spectators, um, just like multiply and single ply powerlifting will be because it, it's, it's muddier. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's across the board muddier multiply obviously is an exception, mm. uh, in and of itself. But, um, yeah, you know what? I, I'm, I don't know the answer to this, but it seems like, I gotta go. Johnny's here. um, you will wrap up after this. Uh, it seems like Strongman has somehow skipped that whole problem. Like they, you, they wear briefs, they wear deadlift suits, they wrap their knees, they lift cars. <laughs> they like, they do all the most random things, but, but still are able to capture the general public in a way that powerlifting does that's doesn't. exactly why. But I'll tell you that's why exactly that happens why. because there are central events to world strong, to strong, to strong men. You know, there, there are two or three, it's the Arnold, it's world strongest man and... Any any sort else? of uh, any meat that's thrown by uh, Giants Live. Okay, so they, they have centralized their their events. So all the biggest names are always showing up to those two three events, like in a year, right? Whereas mm-hmm. like we really don't have that anymore because personal conflict with people who run U.S. Open, so people stop showing up, you know, and then. That's it. US Open was the biggest meet, and then there's, I guess, well, that, there, record breakers. There used who to, we used to be rum, rum that was mismanaged rum. and sort of fizzled out. Yeah. And, um, basically, yeah. It's, it's record weird. breakers who's not happening. That's not happening anymore. So it's like we don't have those kind of like central events where the big hitters all come together and compete against one another in the same place. So it's like we're what we're seeing is big names competing at small meets where, where, I guess it's okay for like amateurs to compete at to get the experience of a meet, but then we're judging professionals in an amateur tournament. That's what's happening. Yeah, we need yeah. like we're, a st- we professionals need, like, need to be judged in a professional stage. We need only. staple competitions that last many years because yeah. right now federation or competitions, those high level competitions, are like nightclubs. Yeah. You know, they're like popular for a couple of years, and then like the next one comes along and everyone forgets about the old one. Yeah, yeah. So, we yeah. Need- Go ahead. Like, I think that that change, this was something I talked about on um, another podcast. Um, You're so popular. That cha- <laughs> no, that's not what I was saying. I don't know why you got to do that to me. Um, that change, I think, would happen by like establishing some sort of like season for the sport that either revolves around specific events or is done on like um, a, a turn, like a, a seasonal structure like the IPF does it with like regionals. Sure. Uh, states, regionals, whatever. Like once you get to a certain level, you can skip the you know the, the fifth tier meet. Once you get to the once you get to the third tier, you can skip the fifth tier meet for 
qualifying. Yeah. Once you get to the second tier, you can skip the fifth and the fourth meet for qualifying, et cetera, et cetera. All the way up to if you win the world champions, world championship, you instantly get an invite to next year's world championship. Mm-hmm. And like, if we saw that consistently through the entire sport, but like, but then that's where you, I, whenever I get into, like, whenever something happens and I call out a squat online, one of the common responses I get, especially from people in multiply is, uh, like, like this isn't putting food on my table or, or whatever. Like, and that's always the response is like, they're so detached from it because it doesn't do anything to further their lives. But it, and then I just think about like, then why, then like, why are you doing it? Why? Yeah. Then why are you doing it at all? It's an awful lot of work and pretty bad for your body to be doing, doing that at, at a high any, level, any sport, really any sport once you are competitive in any sport it is now dangerous yeah uh steffi's got to go so we're gonna wrap here might have to do a part two but thank you for joining us today and uh yeah i hope i hope some of these ideas people who can make an impact listen to them and try to implement them i I know we certainly will at, at all of our meets and without like the centralization or, you know, governance of some sort of greater body, it really is up to everybody who's throwing meats and participating in meats to just and the meat directors to, to uphold the best standard that they can. So powerlifting community, it's on all of us to, uh, you know, to make the changes that I think most of us want to see in the sport. And I hope people get that from this podcast. Be the change you want to be in the world. You want to see in the world. You want to see in the world. Who, who said that, Steffi? Gandhi. <laughs> I asked Steffi. You I kn- saved her. I knew she, she didn't, didn't have know. it. She didn't have she it. She had no idea. <laughs> she was going to say like Maya Angelou or something. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Right, Thank guys. you for your time. We Bye. appreciate it. Thank you, You're Garrett. You're welcome. We'll talk again soon. All right.